Chapter Forty One of Doom Castle. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Doom Castle by Neil Monroe. Chapter Forty One. Conclusion. Simon MacTaggart went out possessed by the devils of hatred and chagrin. He saw himself plainly for what he was in truth, a pricked bladder. His career come to an ignoble conclusion. The single honest scheme he had ever set his heart on brought to naught, and his vanity already wounded sorely at the prospect of a contemptuous world to be faced for the remainder of his days. All this from the romantics of a Frenchman who walked through life in the step of a Polonaise, and a short season ago was utterly unaware that such a man as Simon MacTaggart existed, or that a woman named Olivia bloomed a very flower among the wilds. At whatever angle he viewed the congregated disasters of the past few weeks, he saw Count Victor in their background, a sardonic, smiling, light-hearted nemesis, and if he detested him previously as a merely possible danger, he hated him now with every fibre of his being as the cause of his upheaval. And then in this way that is not uncommon with the sinner, he must pity himself because circumstances had so consistently conspired against him. He had come into the garden after the interview with Argyle had made it plain that the darkest passages in his servant's history were known to him, and had taken off his hat to get the night breeze on his brow which was wet with perspiration. The snow was still on the ground, among the laden bushes, the silent soaring trees of fir and ash. It seemed as if this was no other than the land of outer darkness, whereto the lost are driven at the end. It maddened him to think of what he had been brought to. He shook his fist in a childish and impotent petulance at the spacious, unregarding east where doom lay, the scene of all his passions. "'God's curse on the breed of meddlers,' he said. "'Another month and I was out of these gutters, and hell no more to tempt me. To be the deuce good man, and all the tales of storm forgotten by the neighbours that may have kent them,' to sit perhaps with barons, her barons and mine, about my knee, and never a twinge of the old damnable inclinations, and the flagellate, going in the honest tunes, all lost, all lost for a rat that takes to the hold of an infernal ship, and comes here to chew at the ropes that dragged me to salvation. This is where it ends." It's the judgment come a day o'er soon for Sim MacTaggart. But Sim MacTaggart will make the rat rue his meddling. He had come out with no fixed idea of what he next should do. But one step seemed now imperative. He must go to doom. Otherwise his blood would burst every vein in his body. He set forth with the stimulus of fury for the barracks where his men lay, of whom half a dozen at least were his to the gate of the pit itself, less scrupulous even than himself, because more ignorant, possessed of but one or two impulses, a foolish affection for him, and an inherited regard for rapine too rarely to be indulged in these tame latter days. 
to call them out, to find them armed and ready for any enterprise of his was a matter of brief time. They set out knowing nothing at all of his object, and indifferent so long as this adorable gentleman was to lead them. When they came to doom, the tide was full and round about it, so they retired upon the hillside, sheltering in a little plantation of fir through which they could see the stars, and doom dense black against them without a sign of habitation. And yet doom upon the side that faced the sea was not asleep. Mungo was busy upon the preparations for departure, performing them in a funereal spirit, whimpering about the vacant rooms with a grief that was trivial compared with that of Doom itself, who waited for the dawn as if it were to bring him to the block, or of Olivia, whose pillow was wet with unavailing tears. It was their last night in Doom. At daybreak Mungo was to convey them to the harbor, where they should embark upon the vessel that was to bear them to the lowlands. It seemed as if the seagulls came earlier than usual to wheel and cry about the rock, half guessing that it was so soon to be untenanted, and finally, as it is today, the grass-grown mound of memories. Olivia rose and went to her window to look out at them, and saw them as yet but vague gray floating shapes, slanting against the paling stars. And then the household rose. The boat nodded to the leeward of the rock, with its mast stepped, its sail billowing with a rustle in the faint air, and Mungo at the sheet. The dawn came slowly, but fast enough for the departing, and the landward portion of the rock was still in shadow when Olivia stepped forth with a tear-stained face and a trembling hand on Victor's arm. He shared her sorrow, but was proud and happy, too, that her trials, as he hoped, were over. They took their seat in the boat and waited for the baron. Now the tide was down, the last of it running in tiny rivulets upon the sand between the mainland and the rock, and Simon and his gang came over silently. Simon led, and turned the corner of the tower hastily with his sword in his hand to find the baron emerging. He had not seen the boat and its occupants, but the situation seemed to flash upon him, and he uttered a cry of rage. Doom drew back under the frowning eyebrow of what had been his home, tugged the weapon from his scabbard, and threw himself on guard. "'This is kind indeed,' he said, in a pause of his assailant's confusion, at finding this was not the man he sought. "'You have come to say good-bye. On guard, black dog, on guard!' "'So, Dwitma, here then is for you,' cried Sim and waving back his followers engaged with a rasp of steel. It lasted but a moment. Doom crouched a little upon bending knees, with a straight arm parrying the assault of a point that flew in wild disorder. He broke ground for a few yards with feints in quart. He followed on a riposte with a lunge, short, sharp, conclusive, for it took his victim in the chest and passed through at the other side with a thud of the hilt against his body. Sim fell with a groan his company clustering around him, not wholly forgetful of retaliation, but influenced by his hand that forbade their interference with his enemy. "'Clean up your filth,' said Doom in the Gaelic, sheathing his sword and turning to join his daughter. "'He took 
Tim Tarrock for me, and now, by God, he's welcome to doom. Not our old friends, surely, said Count Victor, looking backward at the cluster of men. The same, said Doom, and kept his counsel further. Count Victor put his arm around Olivia's waist. The boat's prow fell off, the sail filled, she ran with a pleasant ripple through the waves, and there followed her a cry that only Doom of all the company knew was a coronach followed by the music of Sim McTaggart's flagellae. It rose above the ripple of the waves, above the screaming of the birds, finally stilling the coronach, and the air it gave an utterance to was the same that had often charmed the midnight bower, failing at the last abruptly, as it had always done before. My heavens, it is my Mary's favorite air. And that was all she knew of it, said Doom, and his face grew white with memory and a speculation. Had he found the end of that air, said Count Victor, he had found, as he said himself, another man, but I, perhaps, had never found Olivia. End of chapter 41 End of Doom Castle by Neil Monroe